0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel and I am the host of the show where I get to have conversations with Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path of the games. Today, incredible guest Ajay Doddwald of USA Field Hockey Olympic hopeful. Um, Ajay's story is really cool. He has been playing field hockey for almost his entire life. Male field hockey, men's field hockey, which isn't huge here in the United States. Uh, women's field hockey normally gets more of the exposure. And he has been playing for a significant time. He's been on the national team since 2009. He started playing when he was around seven. His father played professionally for a little while. And then he moved. He lived in California, in a specific spot in California, where a few of the Team USA members are. It's just a huge, huge field hockey community out in Nagora Hills. And it's really interesting hearing him talk about it and how it really shaped his life growing up and, and everything and how that's really kind of driven him to where he is today he's been on the team as i said for 10 years a decade on team usa he joined when he was significantly young and then just started crushing and he's helped team usa to multiple medals in international cups he explains the international circuit and the system he played one year professionally which is really interesting to hear him talk about uh he went to johns hopkins but there is no male college field hockey or at least not one that was up to snuff for him so he was able to Train and continue to uh, go to school in the medical field uh, which is pretty pretty impressive and yeah the Pan Am Games are coming up relatively soon so we're super excited for it and if they win the men's team gets to go to the games the Olympic Games so very excited and he's also a coach at Rutgers University my alma mater about 25 minutes down the road from where I am currently sitting so it was always fun to hear about that as well so um Please enjoy this interview with Ajay, but first, have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? Uh, I did, and then I took launchingpodcast.com, their video course, easy step-by-step on how to create your very own podcast. You start all the way from ideation, they take you through your four episodes, you you can become a thought leader, you can develop significant relationships, and it's just a lot of fun. Uh, All three of those things have happened for me, Uh, it's my favorite part of every single day, so I'm never ever going to stop doing this, but as you've seen, it's only... One episode a week now, but that's us we're up to 100. So if you like one of them, go back. I'm sure there's a couple more stories you'd love to listen to. But make sure to go to launchingpodcast.com. Use my promo code Mike to get their step-by-step video course for $50 off. That's launchingpodcast.com, promo code Mike for $50 off. And without further ado, here is Ajay Doddwald. All right, today's special guest, Ajay Doddwall of USA Field Hockey, Olympic hopeful for the 2020 Games in Tokyo, born August 13, 1993 from Gore Hills, California, started playing at the age of seven after watching his father play professional field hockey for a few years, joined the U.S. national team in 2009, attended and graduated from Johns Hopkins University, and has helped lead Team USA to multiple medals in international competition, including two golds in the World League Round 1. We'll get into that a little bit later to get a good understanding. And also is a current assistant coach at Rutgers University, my alma mater. Ajay, thanks for hanging out with us today, man. I appreciate it.
1: Dude, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: The pleasure, I promise you, is all mine. You're going to be the one at the Olympics, not me. Well, maybe I'll get there. We'll see what happens. But um, I won't be there for competition, so I think that's the important part. But Ajay, um, seriously, dude, thank you so much for, have, uh, for, for hanging out with us today. So if you could, I guess, just Take us back. Agoura Hills sounds gorgeous. Let's start off with that. So um, what was it like growing up in California and, and uh, especially, um, you know, having, having your father play professional field hockey?
1: Yeah, I uh, grew up in L.A., which is, well, Agoura Hills is like a little north of L.A. Okay. Um, my mom and dad moved there in like 75 from India. And so my dad played pro, in, pro uh, hockey in India for a long time. And then he played at multiple teams, played at university, won a couple of national championships. And then uh, moves, as I said, to the U.S. in 75, got a house there. I was born in 93. And then he was kind of still just playing recreationally. But he had a bunch of friends and they created a team. And then I kind of just grew up watching him at the the local fields at Mm -hmm. Moorpark College, which is like one of the hubs of L.A. hockey. And then, yeah, kind of just fell in love with the sport. I played some other sports too, but it was just kind of fun playing with my dad, learning from my dad, playing in the backyard, doing random stuff, like playing in the house, breaking some bases with tennis balls and stuff. So stuff always happens, but kind of just got a passion for the game at an early age and then kind of took off from there.
0: That is awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing – if you're a kid growing up and you're going to try and become professional at something, you have to break – Something in the house, right? Oh, like that's some, it's like a prerequisite at this point. Like if you didn't, yeah. then you didn't try hard enough, exactly.
1: Yeah, I uh, I tried playing with the a hockey ball inside the house at first, but then I broke too many too much stuff. My mom and dad were like, okay, here's a tennis ball. So a, l-
0: little lighter, uh, a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter on the windows of that tennis ball is. That's awesome, man. That's that's great to hear. And so, how um, I don't know, I, I might have missed it. How long did your dad play professional field hockey for?
1: Uh, Till he was about 32, wow, 30, okay. 32, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So he, he, he
1: kind of started from, uh, like school age. So not as early as me, but around like 13,
0: 14. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. so he, he played field hockey for a significant period of time. I mean, like that is incredible. Um, yeah. you know, to, to, to play professionally for so long, kind of come over here and then, and then find some friends. So as, as you said, um, Agora Hills is and and Northern LA is kind of where the hub of, um, is it, is it men's or just is field hockey in general?
1: Uh, field hockey in general. So there's this guy named, uh, Tom Harris, who kind of started the Moore Park field over there. Uh, he built it himself and then, Kind of started a league structure and a tournament, which is actually going on this coming up weekend, um, the Cal Cup, um, which has been going on for like 48 years now. I wow. think it's the 48th year that it's been going on. So it's a really good tournament. But basically, that's like a lot of people who started hockey um, in the LA area go through Moore Park College, which is awesome. That it's is really fantastic. we cool get like a bunch of random people that just know the sport, So which isn't that big of a sport in the united states i guess compared to other sports but it's nice to have like that home base yeah
0: and that's that's why i was going to ask that question is is really just understand what what that is like i mean obviously you don't know any different right like that's where you grow up that's how it happened but now being you know going around the world going to other places in the united states obviously johns hopkins is is over here on the east coast um a little bit if right maryland right
1: yeah Maryland. Yeah, okay good just I don't want to
0: sound like a total idiot but um (laughs) no 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 uh like like what how how does that feel again kind of coming leaving that area and understanding really that that field hockey isn't that huge I mean it's been in your life it's been very significant but what is it like as you said kind of knowing that there's always that little spot out in northern California um, and how could you then compare that I guess to the rest of the country or at least the places that you've been with how they intense they are with field hockey
1: yeah, it's really cool. I mean, most of the guys are actually – I feel like five five or six of the guys that are actually on the national team have come from Park. Mm-hmm. So, um And we kind of grew up playing against each other, playing with each other, like having those kinds of friendships from a really young age. I mean, like we started playing like U9s, U10s together, and then now we're all of a sudden on the national team. So it's really cool to just grow up in that kind of culture and – like especially in the More Park community you see like older people playing like they have a division 3 which is like the older people and then you have division 2 division 1 and then you mm-hmm. always kind of stick around to watch the division 1 guys play cuz they're like the cream of the crop and so when you're a U10 guy watching the division 1 guys play you're like okay I got to get over there and then so it's it's a pretty cool culture like there's like upward mobility in about no matter like what you're doing so and then there's always like parents watching there's like mixed hockey for like the younger ones. There's like U19 hockey. So all age divisions, all people playing, parents involved, there's food around. So it's a really nice culture to be around and grow up playing that kind of sport and gain love for it that way. Like the majority of the guys that play hockey, nice, it's not for like fame or like money. Or, there's really nothing in it besides I enjoy this sport. Let's try to take this to the next level, you know?
0: Absolutely. A hundred percent, man. I love that. It's just super cool to know that there is uh, cultures like that. And and I'm sure there's cultures like that with all the sports. um, But specifically, you know, California is such a giant place. Um, You know, they have some good sailing out there, some great water polo. And now I find out that they have some incredible field hockey out there as well, uh, which sounds like we – We're very grateful um, for the national team, I guess it sounds like considering a significant number, percentage uh, of the dudes on the team are out there. I I love that, man. That's great to know. Um, So uh, I do kind of want to take a pause just a quick second from your story and just get a really good understanding of the sport itself. Um, So as you were saying, the culture out there where you came from, obviously within your family alone, but then also the area It's very, very huge into field hockey, and it's as we already kind of alluded to, it's not really big anywhere else. You play this because you'll love it, not because you plan on getting famous or becoming a millionaire. Well, I'm crossing for my hand. I'll cross all my fingers for you, man. I want you to be an ultra-millionaire, but um, (laughs) we'll see what happens, right? But um, could you just give us a really good understanding of the sport itself? I mean, my girlfriend played it in high school. I've watched it. I'll watch it when the Olympics come around. I really don't know what i'm watching though, and I think that that's a problem. so can you just give us you being a coach, this might be really easy. You can you just give us a solid foundation of what the heck i'm watching and and what I should be looking out for the next time I do watch it?
1: Yeah, so uh, eleven v eleven ten field players, one goalkeeper uh, per team um, position wise it's like similar to soccer, like you have a backfield, midfield, front field, um, and basically, you have a hockey stick which is um, round on one side, flat on one side. You have a hockey ball, which is kind of hard. It's like, a, I guess, similar to a baseball. Um, and you can't use the round side of the stick. The ball has to be – well, there's different rules and regulations, but basically the, the main job of the referees is to, like, keep, keep the game safe. So the ball can go in the air, but it has to be in a spot that's safe for the players. Mm-hmm. So you can lift the ball, but it has to be in a safe spot, et cetera. And then, um, yeah, that's, I guess, the basics of it. The yeah. Like tactics are, I guess, kind of similar to soccer. There's no offsides, but tactics are similar to soccer. You kind of play like possession, um, like direct hockey. You play like outletting, um, pressing, like all those kind of similar soccer kind of um, things. So, okay. you know. That yeah, makes I sense? guess that's a, yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't know yeah, if that yeah. was helpful, but no, you know, very, it's kind of yeah. easier if you start watching it and then, yeah, learning it from there.
0: Mm-hmm. Good. I'm glad there's no offsides first, first and foremost. Very happy that that doesn't <laughs> exist. Um, so essentially it's, it's soccer with a stick and a ball. That's kind of pretty,
1: Yeah.
0: pretty yeah. easy to understand. Uh, yeah. So is this bigger in Europe? Like much bigger in Europe?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: or at least other parts of the world? There's
1: just more numbers playing. Um, they have a club system over here pretty much in a lot of the country. So there's more people around the game. They have more people playing. So especially we're in Holland right now and it's just huge. Like you see people riding bikes with their hockey sticks and all like pretty much all over the place. There's like a hockey field, like every couple of miles, it seems like. So, That's
0: awesome. You yeah. sound like you're in your glory then, man. I love it. <laughs> um, and then so another question on that, you know, like uh, the high school I came from was solid 2000. So it's not the biggest. It's not the smallest. We didn't have a male field hockey team. It was always only female. Have you noticed that the, like, the female side of the sport over here in the United States is that much bigger? And how would that compare to other places around the world?
1: Yeah, it's, I think it's well, the female sport, the female field hockey in the United States is much bigger than male field hockey right now um i'm not exactly sure why that is but um that's just the case right now in terms of like how it compares women's volleyball like compares in the states to other countries um just not too sure the ncaa system has a huge attraction point mm-hmm. for foreigners as well like there's a lot of foreigners that want to come play in the university system in the states which is awesome um but I'm not exactly sure about how the numbers compare.
0: Mm -hmm. I guess more, more, um, on, on the international versus United States level. Is it, is there that big of a discrepancy, um, between male and female players or, or when we get into other parts of the world, it's a little bit closer to that 50, 50 number.
1: Um, I mean, the United States is definitely, it's more of a discrepancy in the United States than the other, in the other countries. Mm -hmm. I'd say in Australia, like, all these countries, it's more 50-50. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know why that's the case, but that's the case. Yeah. Hey, yeah,
0: it is what it is. If we, if we knew, yeah. we'd, do, we'd do something about it. But unfortunately, we do not. So, um, we'll just just keep rocking and rolling. So, thank you. I always like to get a little educational with some of these things. Unfortunately, um, you know, what what we deem here Olympic sports are essentially just sports we watch once every four years. So, I want to make sure that we're educating as well along the way, just making sure. Um, so, you started playing at 7 which was around 2000, um, 2009, you joined the U S national team. What were the years in between? Like, was it just a lot of playing, you know, the division one hockey over at Moore Um, or, you know, like what, what exactly were you doing for those in between nine years before you did finally make it onto the United States national team?
1: Uh, so I was playing on the junior team as well. So the U 21 team, okay. and then there was a U 17 team before that as well. Um, but yeah, it was pretty much just living in California, playing at the division one level, trying to get selected. <laughs> yeah. So there's like a back then it was like a national tournament uh, that everybody goes to. And then through that national tournament, if you're uh pretty much good enough, you get selected. So
0: very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So you were just honing your skills for a few years. I love it, man. So you were on the so how long have you been in the system, I guess let's call it the U seventeen and the U twenty one? When was uh, when was the first year you joined?
1: Well, I'm saying probably when I was, like, 12. Wow. Yeah. So um, one of the national coaches at the time, Nick Conway, he came over to, like, one of the games that I was playing at. And after the game, he came up to me and he was like, thought you played really well. What do you think about representing your country? And I was just like, I'm pretty sure I didn't say anything. I was just like, I just ran away. (laughs)
0: i mean you're 12 that's a weird question to ask a 12 year old i guess right
1: but it was like kind of like earth shattering to me it was like what what is going on here Mm -hmm. and i was like mom this happened this happened what did you say it's like i just kind of didn't say anything she's like okay well what do you think about this so from there i got selected started going on tours with like the u17 team because we um we used to have like an annual tour with canada like, mm-hmm. So Canada would come to us and then we'd go to them. So that was like the start of it. And then pretty much yeah, that's how we get started.
0: <laughs> that's incredible. So you were on the U seventeen team at twelve. That's
1: yeah, twelve or thirteen. That's pretty like that.
0: impressive, man. That is pretty pretty- clearly again it's in your blood, so I guess that helps. Uh, and you've been doing it for a little <laughs> while. Um, so that is that is pretty impressive, man. And I guess like at twelve, that's one thing. Like I, I don't know what it would be like. Like thinking back fifteen years ago when I was twelve, I don't know what it would be like if someone asked me to do that. Um, but in two thousand and nine, when you were finally selected to be on the senior team, uh, what was that like? And what was that validation like? Understanding that you are legitimately one of the best in the world at something, at least one of the best in this country at something.
1: Yeah, I was like pretty, pretty young, so I really had to find that balance. Like I was still in. Well, high school. Mm-hmm. So I was like, just worried about classes, like having a good time, finding friends, like, you know, doing my thing. Like I was doing other sports at the time as well. And then all of a sudden, you make the national team, you're like, okay, gotta play less tennis, gotta do mm-hmm. less cross country, play less soccer, and then prioritize what you're doing. So definitely when I made the team, it was like, okay, I gotta find this balance. If I if this is something that I want to prioritize, I got to put in some time, and really try to hone my skills in this sport versus other sports. And then, um, like family time became a little less because I was traveling more. You know, friends were like, "Dude, where are you going?" It's was like, "Got to go to Argentina, <laughs> like some training camp." So, uh-huh. um, but yeah, it was just finding that balance to make the make the transition to the national team, which was kind of tough, but it was. I think a really good transition because it helps you out in life in general.
0: That is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess in 2009 you were what, like 16. So uh, again, still having, having a lot of these incredible things happen at very young age for you, I think is, uh, is very, very cool. Um, So, um, Ajay, what was it like the first time going to some of these international competitions, like on the senior team, knowing like this is pretty much the highest point of competition these are these are going to be the greatest people that you're going to ever compete against um and then staying there and and you know helping drive the united states going forward
1: yeah it was um kind of scary at first to be honest um i even remember my first game it was against ireland but like these are the guys that i kind of like look Mm -hmm. on tv look at on tv and i was like wow i'm playing against these guys you're huge. I'm like 16 years old playing right half. I'm like, okay. But um, you learn really quick, I think, um, especially in my first tour. I learned, like, extremely quick that you just can't stay on the ball for too long in the backfield, and you just have to stay super focused the entire game. But luckily, like, the guys that I was playing with, they were super understanding about the position that I was in, and they helped me out a lot. It wasn't like, here, here you go have a good time try it out it's like you kind of took me under their wings and kind of gave me information and support wherever i needed it so it's easier in a team sport if you start at that age because you have guidance from the older players which is always nice but yeah it was definitely nerve-wracking um we played against some really really good opponents that that tournament ireland belgium who we tied which was huge uh argentina like, all these top, top teams. But it was an experience that, like, it was a good – that was, like, transition for Mm -hmm. me, too. Like, okay, this is what it's about. Are you ready to do this? You better learn quick,
0: Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm.
1: So it was good. Yeah. I love it. It was a good tour.
0: I can only imagine. Yeah, I mean, going up against some uh, mid twenty dudes that are, you know, they've they've been doing this for a little while. You're this little sixteen year old, as you said. I think that was. I'm, I hope there's some good pictures from that. I'm I'm sure everyone could share a laugh now, <laughs> considering you've been on the team for a little while, and and now you're in that position. But um, so obviously 2008 was the Olympic year. Um, then 2009 is the next year. So with you coming on the team, is that kind of what happens on? like the first year of a quad do they kind of say you know everyone that retires or everyone that's you know a little bit older leaves the team do they try and bring in a lot of um significantly younger guys so that way i you know three years you'll be 19 that way you you know how, how does that process work or were you a special case in that in, in that
1: uh, i think it kind of depends on who retires as well um when i was so when i made the team in 2009 there was actually a lot of older players on the team as well mm-hmm. so like uh people in like their late twenties, um, early thirties still on the team. And I was like, probably the youngest by about, I think four or five years. Wow. So, yeah, but, so this was I kind mean, of, a special guess, case. I think so. I'm not, yeah. I'm not really too sure, but, um, yeah, I think for most teams it's like after the Olympic year, it's like who retires, who do you need? So mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. You saw that kind of with the women's team during this last, last Olympic cycle. A bunch of people retired, and then a bunch of like young girls came in and were like, "Okay, here we go." So mm-hmm. yeah. I
0: love it. I love it. And yeah, I mean, obviously. If you're that young by four years, that's incredible. And, and the, the wealth of knowledge you're going to get, as you said, from some of these older, more experienced veterans is extremely important. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say that it was kind of a special case. And clearly you've been doing something right for a while now. So congratulations on that. Um Thanks. And then I guess, so then what were the next, you know, you're still, you're 16 years old, you're a sophomore or junior in high school, the weirdest few years of your entire life. A lot of fun. Loved high school also crazy weird. Um, So I can only imagine throwing this into the mix and being like, Oh, hey, by the way, you're one of the best in the sport at this uh, in the country at this sport. Um, I guess what were those next few years like leading up to Johns Hopkins and really just kind of understanding what you're doing, understanding, you know, your life as a teenager, but then also kind of having this almost second persona of Oh, yeah, now I'm, I'm going to a training camp in Argentina. Sorry, guys, I won't be able to see you for a couple weeks. How, How did you kind of navigate those waters? And what were the ups and downs like uh, those first few years?
1: Yeah. So like now the situation became, okay, I have to transition from the junior team and this high school lifestyle to prioritizing being on the national team, training like a national player. And then all of a sudden the transition became, okay, now you got to get the college thing into the picture, Mm -hmm. which is another huge transition. So um, thankfully, like, All my teachers in high school, I went to Viewpoint School in Calabasas. Shout out to Viewpoint School. Shout out. Um, (laughs) uh, They're super supportive about what I was doing. Every time I tried to talk to a teacher, they're like, okay, let's get your assignments done ahead of time. You could take these tests later or whatever. So that transition became pretty easy during the last two years of high school. And then the college process, it was like, okay, so we have this centralized training program in Chula Vista. I can try to go to like UCSD or USD, one of those San Diego schools and join the centralized program. But obviously I'm applying to a bunch of different other schools. And then all of a sudden I got this acceptance from Hopkins and I was like, okay, this is Uh, a really tough decision.
0: Pretty hard to turn down Johns Hopkins.
1: Yeah. So it was just like, what do I do here? So it took me like a week or two to kind of come up with the decision, kind of, prioritize what I want to do but my coach at the time Nick Conway kind of helped me out he was like hey if you find the balance in life your hockey is going to improve so if this is a choice that you're going to regret making just don't do it make sure you make the right choice this is your education this is your life so make the right choice and then your hockey will go side by side so I was like okay I'm 100% jumping on this let's do this so
0: that's awesome man congratulations on that again um, Johns Hopkins incredible incredible school and you were able to, to finish that in four years while also being on the, the national team so clearly uh, you have your priorities and your your discipline in, in check right there so what was what was your time at Johns Hopkins like I know off, off air we spoke men's college hockey isn't really that intense um, if even existent in certain places so what, how did you get the proper training and the proper treatment and everything and that you needed to so far away from I mean any of the training centers at that point
1: yeah at that point I was like kind of used to being um training on my own it's kind of something that I've been building my whole life Mm -hmm. which is I got to get the fitness done I got to be like one of the fitter players on the team which is something that I can control and then getting the hockey in on my own is something that I try to do as much as possible uh when i was at hopkins it was just like i could use weight room i can get the like recovery that i needed to and then in the last two years i was i was helping out with the team too so i found that coaching is like another way of learning as well with the mm-hmm. sport because you kind of think about how would i learn this what am i teaching to the players that i'm coaching as well so it's just another way to practice essentially so yeah it was good um the D3 schools mostly are on field turf, which is a little different than water-based AstroTurf. So it's kind of like different in that regard. But I was also playing a lot of indoor hockey while I was in college, which was good for reactions and technical aspects Mm -hmm. of the game. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it kind of worked out.
0: So you still got got the hockey in. And I'm assuming, you know, especially like in the season, you still would travel with the team and you'd go play. But but especially practicing, like how – did you see after maybe like your first like what was was there an adjustment period kind of trying to figure out like oh crap, I didn't nearly do enough of this or I did way too much of that while you were away from everybody, especially not being able to practice the and do the sport itself as as often as maybe you'd like
1: yeah, it was mostly gameplay yeah so I, yeah. I could do all the technical aspects of the game like get my first touchdown, um like do all the hitting, sweeping like all the technical skills but seeing the field is kind of different. So if you don't play an actual game, it's kind of hard. So yeah, that was kind of tough, but I mean, I got adjusted to it pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. especially when we go on tour, it's usually we have a few days of training and then we have some practice matches before a tournament or some kind of um, whatever phase that we're in. Mm -hmm. So that way you can get like the chemistry of the team down and kind of get your touch back, see the field again, get the gameplay practice down.
0: It's like riding a bicycle. You'll never really forget how to do it. (laughs) Um, No, that's awesome, man. And yeah, that that was, I guess, you know, vision and everything. I could see that being the most difficult because you can practice all the drills. You can do all those things. Um, But uh, until you're in it, uh, you know, obviously it's not going to be the same. And it sounds like you were able to quickly hop back into the sport whenever necessary. So I think that that's great. Um, And what did you major in while you were at Johns Hopkins? Something medical, I presume? My
1: major, yeah, my major was cognitive science. And then uh, I did the pre-med route as well. So cog size, I get kind of like neuroscience and computer science and psychology all mixed together. And then I wanted to do, I wanted to become, that was the plan to become a doctor. Mm It (laughs) kind of didn't work out for now, but, um, I did the pre-med route as well and kind of put the doctor thing on hold. Very cool. <laughs> well I'm playing hockey.
0: Yeah, do your thing. I mean, you only get one shot to do this. You might as well enjoy it. You can always become a doctor after, right? Like, that's always a possibility. Yeah. So, But we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, I promise you that. So, um, been on Team USA for a little while. You're at Johns Hopkins. Clearly being able to use – and I know that Johns Hopkins is incredible with – um Uh, lacrosse so I'm assuming they have a lot of the things that you may need to utilize obviously as you said you were a coach there on for the for the female team for a little while it sounds like which is great Um, so congratulations on on doing that as well and I guess then you know obviously again men's field hockey isn't huge in college what is the professional men's field hockey circuit like um, either here in the United States and then around the world?
1: Uh, So Professional men's hockey in the United States doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. Um, Abroad, it exists to some level. I wouldn't call it professionally, like fully funded, Mm -hmm. but um, almost like semi-professional, I guess. But there's like the majority of the guys on our team right now are playing in profession or semi-professional leagues over here in like Poland, Germany, England, like all these countries that have a pretty good league. And so um, you basically. play for a club they might give you some benefits like housing some like cash on the side Mm -hmm. some like coaching job which i did at reading so yeah that's kind of how it works and then yeah
0: so you right after johns hopkins did you go play professional for a year or was there there there's some time off in between
1: uh some time off so i went to san diego for a year to -hmm. train in the centralized program very cool and then from there i went straight to reading
0: and what was it what how did you feel about that year kind of being at the centralized program? As you said already, you kind of were great at being independent with it. What was it then like going to that, I guess the hub again, and really immersing yourself for that next entire year?
1: Yeah, it was really good. I thought, I mean, the, the program was kind of smaller. Um, at the time there's like eight guys, um, playing, um, in the centralized program. But I mean, the, the resources that we had at the Olympic Training Center at the time over there in Chula Vista was just unreal, like you got the weight training, the conditioning, all the kind of resources with ice bath, like all that kind of stuff was just it was a really good environment to train pretty hard and so once I got that down, got my fitness level at probably the highest it's ever been. Well, say I'm a little fitter now, but
0: still. <laughs> I was gonna say until now like,
1: yeah um. But then it was a good transition to go from there straight to semi-professional hockey in England, so I could really perform.
0: That's great, man. So, what? Um, why only one year then? What? What was it that I guess didn't keep you for doing two or three years potentially there, or even up until the next Olympic games?
1: Yeah, it's kind of the the cash issue as well. Ah, so it, hmm. the um, Reading Reading hockey is kind of like an older club, so they don't pay as much. But the um, I mean, I had phenomenal time the housing was taken care of like the I got a coaching job it was like I can earn some cash on the side but still had to like pay off student loans and stuff so I was like hey if I actually want to you know get this next balance <laughs> right I got to get a real big boy job mm-hmm. so thankfully the Rutgers job kind of opened up and one of the coaches that I was working with the national team at the, jo- at the time Joey Civico he was like hey there's an assistant coach position open if if you uh, want to apply and have a go at this, maybe maybe give that to get a shot. So I was like, yeah, perfect. Let's give this a try, and it worked out.
0: There's nothing better than New Brunswick, man. There's nothing better than New Brunswick. You know, I'm a Rutgers, <laughs> I'm a Rutgers alum, so I could say that. But I, I enjoyed my time there thoroughly. I'm glad you're having a good time there now. Um, yeah. We'll actually we'll, we'll hop back onto that topic in, in one second. First, I do want to understand a little bit more about what, you know, I've, as I said before, you've helped lead Team USA to multiple gold medals in World League Round One. Um, that also means I'm assuming there's a World League Round Two. Uh, obviously, we understand Pan Am games are coming out. What what do all these things mean? And can you kind of give us a little bit of a hierarchy, I guess, and in, in what's the most important? How do you get, where's World Cup championships, just the whole nine, so that we can kind of understand and navigate this labyrinth a little bit more?
1: Yeah, so I guess the the. Pinnacle right now is getting to the World Cup or the Olympics mm-hmm. in our sport, and then below that is the World World Series final, and then below that is World League Round Two, and below that is World Series Round One. And so basically, they used to have a length of qualifiers and World Cup qualifiers back in the day, but then they kind of got rid of them and they replaced it with these um, the World Series uh, okay. of hockey, which is kind of gets more countries involved and able to have upward mobility in Mm -hmm. the FIH rankings. And then based on where you're ranking in those tournaments, you get to go on to the next round. And then in the final rounds, the top, I believe four, four teams go on to the Olympic qualifiers based on the continental championships. So that's another way to qualify is through your continental championships, like Pan American games, European championships, that kind of stuff. Okay. So, yeah. Okay.
0: Very cool. So, so it sounds like World League Round One is the bottom.
1: Yeah, that's like okay. the starting the starting step. The
0: starting point. That's a better. Yeah, yeah. We start there. All right. Cool. 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 <laughs> so, what? Um, as big of a country as the United States is, as as much money as we have, obviously not all of it is being funneled and funded into the the field the men's field hockey program. How do we? rise above that you know obviously again we've we've won that league so we've been to world league round two but how do we continue to rise up and be a a, a world powerhouse in a sport like uh, men's field hockey
1: I think we're we're definitely improving Um, the last year or two years ago uh, when we went to world league round two we finished uh, third place Mm -hmm. um, which was pretty good result for us I think yep. but this year I mean we're we're going for the top two get to that final and get on to the next round so I think the team's in a pretty good direction right now training hard playing playing good solid opponents and getting results so everything's looking good for for this year we just got to put all the pieces together and really stay focused on the task but yeah I mean the uh 100% we got to make some some strides with the resources that we have. I hundred percent agree with you. And once you get it's funny, like once you get the results, you get the resources, but you need the resources to get the results as well. Chicken or the egg man. Yeah. Honestly, we just gotta Yeah, we gotta put our heads down and grind right now, which is what we're doing.
0: No, hundred percent. I would never question that. Um, and you know, we appreciate you doing what you are doing. Um, I think it's, I think it's great. And, and again, this isn't, this isn't the first time, you know, I, I you know, dare I say it kind of arrogant when it comes to sports only because we are such a big com- country, uh, you know, like why, why would a country like England, um, have be significantly better when we have such a bigger pool uh, you know so that's always just a it's a confusing thing and again I understand it's not the biggest sport here uh, hopefully it is its right. I assume it is growing and obviously with with places like you know where you're from in California it just continues to grow when we get more and more people like yourself on the team and and, and start crushing the competition and then as you said then we can start to get more resources so we can get more results and more talent um, you know it's a very vicious cycle all we have to do is just break one of those links and hopefully uh, exactly. everything will start start fallen our way and man i mean it sounds like you're you're a big reason and a, and a big resource already um considering what you've been able to do and how long you've been on the team and and pushing us forward so we sincerely um sincerely appreciate that so uh congratulations so as you said pan american games is our i guess is that the first possibility for us to uh qualify for the olympic games
1: yeah that'll be the so we have before that we have um a tournament in india which mm-hmm. is uh really ground two which if you finish top two over there, you go on to the next round, which is another chance to qualify for the Olympics as well. Okay. Um, but if you win the continental championships, in our case, the Pan American Games, you're, you get an automatic bid to the Olympics, which would be ideal. So yeah. that's like the main it's the main one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that, that sounds like, dare I say, I, I don't want to say the easiest route, but the most direct route. Is that right. – okay, yeah. yeah. So if you, if you, you do A- X – y happens it's not okay you do x then y happens then if you do y then z happens you know we don't have to keep yeah, climbing yeah. this ladder it's if you win we're good to go um how many teams uh compete in the pan-american games how many countries
1: uh it depend- this year it's eight eight okay i believe so yeah i uh, forget who we we have mexico canada um and peru in our mm-hmm.
0: pool very cool so, yeah all right, man. Yeah. Well, that, that sounds, that sounds like fun. And what, um, what are the prospects? I mean, obviously any given Sunday, right? Any given day, anyone can beat anyone, but how, how confident do you guys feel and what do you think needs to happen for either things to break your way and and get us to that final so that you can win? Or, or in, in your opinion, how do you, how do you see some of this stuff playing out?
1: Uh, Canada is always a really tough opponent for us, but mm-hmm. we, we've had really close results for them and I think we can really, try to get that result and in a tournament setting anything can happen exactly so it's i think that that'll be a really really important pool game for us and that'll kind of set up the rest of the tournament properly Mm. if we win that game so i love it man i love it you know right now it's kind of just we're kind of taking one tournament at a time absolutely right now we're not exactly talking about the pan tracking games, but yeah, we're good.
0: Yeah, it's, I've, <laughs> that's I'm a good question,
1: though. I like, I like that question.
0: Almost, con- I am almost contractually obligated to ask about it. I promise you that of I am course, not, but uh, you know, there's, there's a good reason behind it. But man, I just think that that's awesome. Uh, you know, so congratulations on this opportunity. So this will be, will this be your? Th- Third. How often do the Pan American Games happen? Is it once every four years as a qualifier yeah. for the? Okay. Every so this would be years. your. This would be your third then, correct?
1: This would be my third, yeah.
0: Okay, and how? How? What's the furthest that you have personally been able uh, to go in the, the previous two? Uh,
1: last Pan American Games we finished fourth. Okay. Yeah, I believe fourth.
0: All right. So, yeah. Just three more spots. That's all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We got it. Yeah.
0: Why not? Right. You know what, I love the,
1: how the, how the team's improving right now. It's, um, you know, it's looking good.
0: That's awesome, man. I love it. Well, Hey, we're, I promise you this, we will be rooting for you. Um, and I know Thanks. you know Pan American games are coming up as of recording in a couple months. Um, so super excited to hear, um, some of the good stuff that happens there. So, so as you were saying before, Pan American games is one a way to qualify for the Olympics. What is another way to qualify? I just want to make sure the audience and everyone, including myself is, up-to-date and understands exactly the, the opportunity. So as you said, we can go from World League Round 1 all the way up to Olympic qualifiers. Um, is there any other – is it a point-based system? Is it only so many con- uh, countries from a certain continent can make it? What are, what are some of, the, I guess, the intricacies that we might not even know about?
1: So it's um, this next tournament that we have in India in about mm-hmm. two weeks. We, if we finish top two there, we go on to the next round of mm-hmm. the World Series. And then over there, you have ranked countries um, from the FIH against the qualifiers from the round two. Mm -hmm. And then based on your rankings in that tournament, you can get a bid into the Olympics as well. Okay, cool. That's another possibility.
0: Love it. And how many countries uh, go to the Olympics for men's field hockey? Uh, 12. 12. All right. So let's just win the Pan American Games. How's that sound? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that might that might be our best shot. I love it, man. Well, congratulations again. I think it's super cool getting the opportunity to speak with you, Aj. Um, learn a little bit more about the sport. Learn a little bit more about you. So let's actually uh, just two more topics I want to talk about. Only a couple more minutes. Let's hop back to your time with Rutgers. Um, so what's it been like? Uh, you know, you've been in, you've been an assistant coach there for two years, as you told me in August. You'll be renewing and, and coaching again for a third year. What have you learned? Um, about yourself and about the sport and the opportunity to be an assistant coach uh, at the college level again.
1: Yeah, I think it's just, as I was saying before, it's kind of like another way to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of like visualize how you learn the game, how you want to teach the game, what are like the technical details that you need to make better for the people that you're teaching. Um, and then you kind of think about what you're doing as well. Um, Like how, how am I playing? Is this something that I would do in my game that would enhance my game? So it's just another perspective about, um, about learning how to play hockey. Um, And then obviously just the communication aspect, like coaching, coaching wise, it's really important to like engage the players, get them on the same page as you really try to motivate them, get them to, you know, trust you in the right ways and get them to buy into the game plan and stuff like this. And it kind of gives, especially for me, it's like, okay, this is exactly what our coaching staff is trying to do with us. So I Mm -hmm. understand more of what they're trying to do. And it kind of builds a synergy around the coaching staff and the players. So yeah, I think it's a really important thing to, at least for me to, to do in my life and kind of enhance my hockey, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm. So, and because you've been on the team for 10 years, I'm assuming you're one of the most long-term uh, you know, tenured veterans at this point. Um, are there a a lot of younger guys coming in where being, being a coach at the coll- collegiate level has helped you kind of communicate with them and get to understand them a little bit better and what, what they're trying to do and maybe even how to help them on the field?
1: Yeah, I think so. And it's also because, I mean, I've been in their shoes before as well. Yeah, yeah. And they're kind of – like trying to learn what to do and when to do it. So, but hundred percent, I I agree that like being a coach has helped me kind of sympathize with them, empathize with them, see what they're, where I can help them out, how to help them out. So yeah, I think you're right in that regard.
0: And it only makes the entire team better, man. I love it. I love it. But more importantly, how many Strombolis have you eaten in this past year?
1: Strombolis?
0: Yeah. Stuff your Dude, face. I don't think
1: I've probably never... won from a, from stuff your
0: face you only want to stuff your face once
1: yeah <laughs> oh my
0: goodness all right that's what we'll do when you're back here stateside we'll go out for a stromboli that's yes, that sound that'll be that, that'll make <laughs> Sounds things- like a plan there we go man i appreciate that um and then yeah more, uh you know obviously you know we appreciate you going over the sport and yourself and your coaching career and this whole thing but uh one thing that we know about athletes you know in particular is your career is going to come to come come to an end a little bit sooner than someone like myself where hopefully i can sit in front of this microphone for the next 40 years what what plans or what opportunities do you see obviously potentially a medical student um what do you plan on doing after your uh field hockey career has come to an end
1: yeah to be honest i i really really don't know um i'm kind of i'm kind of like one of those people that kind of takes um each step in stride mm-hmm. i don't really i mean i would love to do the doctor route but i'm not too sure if i want to do too much schooling mm-hmm. so i'm actually doing a master's right now as well at the same oh. time at the university
2: oh yeah so i'm, I'm doing a
1: master's in business and science which i'm doing at the same time so you know Two. that's maybe i can go that route as well yeah.
0: Heck yeah, man. Hit them with the science, then you can hit them with the business. They, once the <laughs> end, they won't know it's coming. I love it, man. Well, congratulations. Good. Now we can both say we're alumnus of, uh, of Rutgers University. Uh, so I really love that. And yeah, man, I mean, I totally understand. I always love to ask that question because I know certain people, um, you know, I've talked to Olympic medalists that are like, I'm not going to stop my sport, but eventually my sport's is going to stop me. So then afterwards, I want to be a veterinarian. It's like, that's kind of cool. Didn't see that one coming at all. So I always like to ask that question, give you the opportunity. Um, you know, if there is anything on the horizon, again, it uh, seems like you, you're a pretty smart dude and what you've been able to accomplish already. Uh, so I'm sure it won't be too difficult for you to find a, a career path after um, the unfortunate end of your sport. But Ajay, I mean, man, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, that's about it. Is there anything, anything we missed? I think we did a pretty good job, right?
1: Dude, that was fun. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks for to having you. me on, dude.
0: Uh, I promise you, the pleasure is all mine. You're the one that's been <laughs> on the United States team for 10 years. So one more time, Ajay Dodwall. Did I get that right? Yep. Oh, yeah. see, okay. Nailed I was worried. It. After about an hour, I usually lose the last names. Uh, USA Field Hockey Olympic hopeful looking for 2020. Uh, congratulations on everything so far, and uh, looking, looking forward to watching you and your career moving forward, man. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, man. We'll get some strong bully in uh, New Brunswick sometime.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Ajay Dobwald. Uh As I said, he is such a cool, cool guy. So fun, very down to earth, very open, honest, intimate guy. And listening to him talk about field hockey and everything that he loves about it is why I love doing this and listening to Olympic athletes and hopefuls and their legend and what what it's like trying to make it to the olympic games especially in one of these you know we'll call it a lesser sport an olympic sport that i really only pay attention to once every four years so very grateful i had the opportunity to interview ajay make sure to follow him on the uh, all his socials everything will be in his show notes Please follow us as well at athletes.us on Instagram, at ourathletesusa on Twitter. Check out the new website, athletes.us. If you, if you or a company that you know or someone that you think might ma- uh, make sense for, please send them my way if they're interested in an Olympic athlete experience. Very hyped for what we're doing now moving forward, just kind of adding the experiential side in it more uh, rather than just the straight sponsorship side. So extremely, extremely excited moving forward. And yeah, please rate this, comment, review, give us five stars. The more of that that I can get, the more people can hear these incredible stories. Please share this with all your friends. Again, Ajay's story is great, but there are, as I said, 100 episodes up, and there, I'm sure, is a story that you'd be interested in. So thank you all so much. Thank you again to launching podcasts. Uh, Promo code Mike for $50 off for their easy step-by-step video course on how to create your own podcast. And other than that, sincerely appreciate you listening, and I hope you make it a wonderful day.